1: And these days, people are just reaching for things that are easy and fast and just like throwing it in a microwave or just like going to these fast food places, but that's not health. And if you're not eating the way sort of nature intended with the veggies and all of that, What you put into your body, you cannot feel vibrant. Your hormones will be most likely out of whack. You'll become nutrient deficient. And then the body just starts to break down.
0: You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 494, with guest Margaret Romero. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Women's Health Theme on the podcast. We're chugging along here. I have just been ecstatic to bring you these guests that we've had over the last several weeks. I want to return to this theme next year with a little spin on it. More about that later. But before we get into the episode, hey, coming up on December 15th, hey, (laughs) in case you weren't listening. (laughs) on December 15th, 2022, at 1 p.m. Eastern time. That's 10 a.m. Pacific time. I don't know what time that is in England or Australia or any other place in Europe or any other place on the globe. You'll have to look it up on a time zone thing. We are doing an AMA Zoom call. That's Ask Me Anything. And I'm excited because we're going to record it and put it out as a podcast super fun. Emily is going to join me. Emily has been here with me for 10 years. So more on that later when I introduce her on the call and literally ask me anything. You can come and ask me about my skincare routine. You can come and ask for specific advice about something. Maybe you read something in one of my books and you're like, I'm not super clear on that. I need more information. Come and ask me. You can ask me what a day in the life looks like over here. I cannot promise I will answer every single very personal private thing, but I probably will. And I can't promise I'm going to know the answer to anything, but I'm always really honest if I don't if I don't know. I'm not going to make shit up. Also, that is going to be part of the celebration for the re-release of How to Stop Feeling Like Shit. I'm also going to be giving away a personalized signed copy of the book to someone who comes live on the call. It is a Zoom call. You don't have to come on video if you don't want to. And if you cannot make it live, but you have a question for me, I would love for you to email us and let me know what the question is. Just support at support at andrea com. You can ask your question, but I would love for as many people as possible to be there live, even if you're like on your lunch break or at work or whatever, and just have to kind of listen in on mute and and off video or whatever. And I'm excited. You might get to hear your voice on the podcast, or if you can't make it, or if you wanna just type your question to the chat on Zoom when you're there, you might hear your question and and I'm excited to get to connect with you. That's the thing that I'm the most pumped about is getting to connect with you guys. That is December 15th. It's a Thursday at one o'clock Eastern time. And that being said, let's get into the guest today. As per usual, I haven't been saying this on every podcast episode. I'm sorry. The guests that I bring on, this is their area of expertise. I have no affiliation with them unless I specifically tell you. And as always, take everything with a grain of salt. Do your own research and due diligence. And I think that's about it. So Margaret's been here before. Margaret has a special place in my heart because I – She'd been on before, so I I knew her, and I was messaging with her about my physical health stuff I was having a while back, and she was really the one who was like, you need to keep persisting about this. Something isn't right, and I did keep persisting, and I did finally get to a diagnosis for myself, which I'm well on my way to healing, hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, so for those of you that are new to her, let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Margaret A. Romero is a Columbia-trained board-certified nurse practitioner. She utilizes functional medicine to treat chronic illness, hormone imbalances, and autoimmune conditions. She has been a clinical instructor and taught functional-slash-integrative medicine at Columbia University. She is the host of the Sacred Medicine Podcast and author of From Flair to fabulous 25 things you must do to avoid your next lupus flare. So without further ado, here is Margaret. Margaret, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much.
1: I'm so happy to be connecting with you this morning.
0: Yeah, we've talked a few times before. I've been on your show, and uh, you know, I've I private messaged you about like my own health stuff. So I was like, okay, I need to just get you on the show so we can we can talk about it publicly because you specialize in in women's health, and my audience, the vast majority of them are women. So you are a board certified functional medicine nurse practitioner, and you've had your own health journey. With lupus, so can you can you share some of your journey? Um, I'm not even totally clear what lupus looks like, and you know what the symptoms are, and how has functional medicine helped you heal from lupus?
1: So lupus is an autoimmune condition, just like MS and Sjogren's and rheumatoid arthritis. What did it- looks like in in every person is a little different, but it's a full-fledged like inflammation of the body. And for each diagnosis, it will attack a particular thing. So for rheumatoid arthritis, it is um, the joints. Um, For me, for lupus, I I was diagnosed with lupus nephritis. And so it did affect my kidneys, but I did have full organ involvement at the time. And this was about 13 years ago when I really wasn't big into functional medicine at the time. But after my diagnosis, I learned everything I could. And also from my own personal experience, I you know, have come to heal from it. And uh, my ANA and my other sort of antibody levels are um, no longer seen in my blood work, which is amazing. Wow.
0: Okay. So I didn't know it had been that long. I thought it was more recent. You and I were chatting before we we started recording and um, you had a podcast episode that came out where you talked about the two medicines that traditional doctors give to women. That, And you said, these are your words, not mine, that two meds to to shut women up. So like they they don't feel well, they go to the doctor, all their labs
1: come back relatively normal. So they're prescribed what? The two meds are birth control pills and antidepressants. When they don't need it, mm. this is you know when they don't need it. Um, I'm not saying that there aren't there aren't mental health issues that require antidepressants, but when a woman is like, "There's something up. There's something wrong. I just don't feel right." Do you know how many times yes. I've heard women say this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll do really basic blood work that shows literally nothing. And it does, it shows nothing. And so then they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe you're depressed. And so here's a prescription. And it's like, what the hell is that?
2: Mm -hmm. What what
1: kind of medicine is that? And so I did a podcast on this because it really does... It's so frustrating for me. It wouldn't be done to men. Mm -hmm. Men wouldn't be treated this way in in medicine, but women are so often. And they're like, oh, well, the doctor says my blood work looks fine, but I still don't feel good. And and I think that the biggest reason behind that, I mean, now that I'm practicing functional medicine full time, is that there's just not enough comprehensive blood work that's being done, not only with blood work, but stool testing or adrenal testing et cetera, testing for heavy metals. I mean, maybe she has thyroid, you know, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, but no one ever seems to do thyroid antibodies. They just sort of go right into just the TSH. Oh, your TSH was fine. So mm-hmm. your thyroid's fine, but it's so wrong because that's not that, that one number doesn't tell us much, you know?
0: That happened to me. And it's so interesting. Like I'm I'm in, as you and I are having this conversation, I'm in the midst of of switching doctors, partly because I wasn't happy and partly because my doctor is retiring. So I found an integrative doctor that came highly recommended. And and the couple of women that I know said she will look at everything. Um, And we I actually have an appointment with her next week so she can look so we can have a conversation. She has my entire health history from my previous doctor and, and all the blood work that's going on right now. And and I have the same thing. Like, I, I don't feel good. I've had fairly rapid weight gain over the last, since May. I remember I fit into a pair of jeans in May that I can't even get over my hips now. And it's it, November. Like, it's not, it hasn't been that long. I don't feel good. I, some, something like my body's telling me like something's up. Yeah. But my labs mostly look good. My thyroid is like on the high side. So she did that antibody thing. And one of the numbers came back high. I don't even remember what it was. And they're like, come back in three months and we're going to test you again. And I'm like, "Um, (laughs) what do I do in the meantime? Just like wait it out. Three
1: months?
0: Yeah. They told me to come back in three months. They made an appointment and they're going to test it again. This is why I went. And I'm like, okay, I I need a different doctor that's going to try to get to the bottom of it. I feel like they're not really
1: listening to me. No, no, no. I, this is what bothers me so much. Why does this happen? And so, so the new person is that you're meeting them for the first time or are they ready? Yeah. So work? that's next week. So I'll keep you posted everybody on how
0: that goes, but I, I okay. just felt like, and it's also frustrating as a lay person who doesn't, so I'm Googling, you know, I get my labs back and I'm looking at the the numbers that are out of whack based on the, you know, like the metrics that they show you on the thing. And I'm, I'm Googling like, what, it, what are the, what is this acronym? What does this mean? What does it mean when it's high? And I'm like,
1: I shouldn't have to do this. No, no, exactly. And I will say that conventional medicine loves the reference ranges. Oh, okay. Well, it's within the reference range and the TSH is at four, mm-hmm. which is too high. And so um, functional medicine, we look at we look at optimal ranges, not, you know, reference ranges, because you can be anywhere in there. Like for example, B12 levels are, I think the range is like between 250 or 275 and 800 or something. And so if someone's like 240, they're like, or 255, they're like, Oh, you're fine. It's within the range, but that is deficiency right there. It needs to be up around a thousand. So and they just love their reference ranges and we, and if it as long as it falls within it's you're fine which yeah. is just wrong.
0: Well, and it also seemed to me that was concerning was that I noticed that it had that my TSH had gone up since the last time I had my labs done, which wasn't that long ago. It was it was sometime in the previous year. And I asked her, like, isn't that interesting that it went up, even though it's it was like 3.75? So it's like still within the normal range. And she said, no. And and I'm, I don't know. I'm not the doctor. Like I didn't go to medical school. I'm like, okay, maybe it's just because I'm getting older. I don't know. So actually, let me back up a little bit, dovetailing off of the of what we just talked about. Like, if someone is seeing a doctor and they don't feel like the doctor's totally listening to them, or they're a little bit confused about their labs or anything, what should they do? Like, should they what kind of what specific kind of doctor should they try to find? If they're not in if they're in New York, they can come and see you. Well, I'm
1: virtual, so I can see. Okay. So you
0: can see anybody. Yeah. Go to your website.
1: (laughs) Okay. Even if you go, you can go from conventional medicine to conventional medicine doc and still get the same crap. I would either look for a functional medicine practitioner and you can Google that. Naturopaths are also Mm -hmm. really good at detecting this, too.
0: Okay. Okay. And so let's talk about hormones for a minute. So, what should, and this is such a broad question, but is there a difference between like say women in their twenties and thirties, should they get different hormone checks than just like the basic stuff that the doctor recommends when they have a yearly physical? So should they get different hormones checked than women in their forties, fifties, and sixties? Like, can you give us like a brief overview of what that should look like?
1: Okay. So typically my age range tends to be women in their late thirties into fifties, like perimenopause (laughs) into menopause. 20s. I don't typically even check hormones on someone in their 20s unless they're having really major issues with their menstruation. If they're having normal menstruation, um, 28 roughly 28 day cycles, and nothing else is really going on, I really don't do hormone testing for them. Okay. When women start going into you know their late 30s, I may do it. Depends if someone's on birth control. I. I it's hard because everything's suppressed. And so when you do blood work to check hormone levels on someone with on birth control, it, it's not accurate, mm-hmm. but when women start to get to in their forties, then I will do the usual, you know, all the estrogens, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, um, things like that. And I'll, always um, for women, even in their twenties, I will do um, thyroid. Like that's a given, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need to check like, Estrogen or progesterone necessarily, if someone has normal menstrual cycles. But if they're having fatigue, then I do check a complete thyroid panel. Yeah. Okay.
0: member FDIC. Andrea. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Andrea. Masterclass.com slash Andrea.
1: And so that's more than just
0: the TSH, correct? Because that's what most doctors first check for. Because I had to ask for the complete thyroid panel. Which is ridiculous that you even had to ask that. And my symptoms were that I was, I originally went to the doctor because I could not figure out why I was so damn tired. Came back that my um, vitamin D was low, really low. And so I started taking a supplement and it helped about 50%, but I'm like, I'm still tired. What is going on? And that's when they started, okay, like, well, let's talk about your, your thyroid and things like that. But yeah, that was, that was kind of the end of the conversation when my TSH came back normal and then they were like, okay. And so I had to go and ask. So yeah, so it was a little bit frustrating. So So complete, so complete hormone panel, the, uh, the whole TSH thing. What about, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about libido. I was recently having a conversation with a friend of mine and she is 40 and she said that, so she's not on any medications, no antidepressants, nothing. And she said she has like zero libido. Like she doesn't ever have sexual thoughts. She doesn't think about it. She does have a healthy sex life with her husband, but he always initiates it. And she just—it's so so. That's not normal, correct? She's forty. Has she ever been on birth control?
1: You I don't know, know.
0: She has two children. I don't birth know. Birth control will kill
1: your libido, even so, if you're not on it anymore. Well, it sometimes it suppresses it to the point where it, it may or may never come back. I have I have young women who have zero libido, and they're in their late twenties, their mm. early thirties. Um, it's really sad to see that. And a lot of them have been on birth control since they were like 15 or 16 years old. I was on it for
0: 16 years from the time I was 16 until I was um, 32.
1: Yeah. It was I mean, it, it does. Yeah, that is a long time. But that's a norm. You know, yeah. With so many women have that's pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So what was your question about libido? Well, just, I, and I hear that from
0: a lot of women, you know, it's, and I, and I, I feel like it's probably common, but not normal. So is it normal for a woman in her forties or even fifties to have no libido at all? No,
1: no. Okay. women should be having still a very active, normal with libido sex into their sex life into their seventies. And so I would ask a couple of questions here. I would check her testosterone levels. Mm -hmm. If those are low, I look at her adrenals. Um, I look at stressors. I would actually check all of her hormones to see what's going on there. And if everything looks suppressed, then I would look at her adrenals and fix that. I would also talk about trauma and see if there's any trauma in her life, in her youth, as a child. And, you know, that's a few approaches that I would take when it comes to low libido. I see this so much it's it's crazy how how many women just do not want to have sex. And sometimes if it's a low testosterone, I mean sometimes um I will certainly put women on testosterone a little bit of it just to see if that helps. There's also sort of clitoral clitoral creams
3: mm-hmm.
1: as well to sort of enhance sensation. But if you're not self-pleasuring, if you're single and, and I haven't had sex, self-pleasuring is definitely. An avenue to go down to keep sort of things alive, healthy. Mm -hmm. Yes, blood flow. You know, if you don't use it, you will lose it. So it's always important to kind of keep things um, juicy. There was something I saw on
0: your about page that jumped out at me that I would love for you to to expand on. So you said so often. In an effort to keep the world around us running, we operate completely in our masculine energy, which is creating havoc in our bodies. So can you
1: say more about that? Yes. I love this topic. I I tend to work with women from so, so many different backgrounds, but especially women who are in corporate, who are CEOs, who are very successful women. And as much as I love that, I also see women completely in their masculine 24 seven. And yes, you need to be sort of in that realm when you are working in your business mm-hmm. and running the show. But- so what is
0: so explain to so somebody who's not totally clear on what that looks like. What does that mean to like be working mostly in your masculine?
1: Okay. So being in your masculine versus being in your feminine. Mm-hmm. So being, in, and, and we all have that men as well as masculine and their, and feminine side. So being in your masculine is sort of like taking control everything is very linear being in, in sort of like in power running the show. It is just like the action it's, I don't know how else to describe it. Pushing. Yeah. Black and white thinking. I feel like feminine is more um, though. Feminine is also very powerful. You know, the women our feminine essence is very powerful. Um, but it's more, it's not linear. It's more flowing. It is, um, dropping, dropping into your feminine, especially like, let's say you're in a relationship and you come home after running the show and doing all of that. Um, it's really hard for women to switch out of and dropping into their feminine being soft and not running the show and not pushing and not being in power and Uh telling everyone what to do all day and all night. (laughs) in the bedroom to your partner. And so dropping into your feminine, um, could mean, and I, I think I wrote a post about this a long time ago, but, um, dropping into your feminine would be like, if you're on your way home, um, putting on some music or coming home and just taking like a hot bath and then being able to be with your partner rather than coming home and like, running the show in your home. And though I know a lot of women come home and they have to like do things, they have to like Mm -hmm. get dinner on the table, but maybe if there is a way for you to, because there is a transition, there is definitely a transition from masculine into your feminine essence. When you get home, that is that you can sort of do it in a way, even if you're just doing a little bit of dancing or something to kind of unwind right before you get home, just like I, for me, it was about music and listening to, even listening to a sensual playlist. Um, mm-hmm. Like I have one on my phone um, before a date, before getting on a call with a new somebody. If you're like on the dating scene, um, rather than like going from work right and sitting into, you know, the restaurant, and then he's like, now you're interviewing him. Like it's right. not. That's not the feminine way of it all. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it, the, the way that I think of feminine energy, and this is probably because my own experience struggles in that in this way is to me, feminine energy has a lot to do with allowing instead of trying to control and push and you know make all the decisions that are yes. the right decisions and you know what i mean like it's just mm-hmm. and it masculine can be anxiety inducing for me personally but feminine allows more of a surrendering and an acceptance not to the point where i become a doormat and just like la 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 la, la. <laughs> like whatever right. happens right. like not so far that direction but it's just sort of like i'll give a, an easy example traffic. Traffic and you know when when all of a sudden traffic comes to a standstill, the former me used to be so stressed out about it like oh my god, how am i going to get there? And now i'm like, eh, "I'll get there when we get there." You know, just mm-hmm. there's nothing i can do about it. It's right. so much easier to look at things that way. Same with like airplane delays,
1: like flight delays, like, well, what are you going to do about it? Yes. Yes, it's- definitely. There's just a different vibe and a different feel to it and i think we come home with after running the show in this amped up, powerful mode. And then we're sort of exuding that when we get home, when everyone's just like, what is going on? And I'm not saying that being feminine is not powerful because I am a force to be reckoned with.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um,
1: I think we talked about this a little bit about being powerful as women, because I think being feminine does not mean that you're weak right at all but I think that especially when it comes to relationships I think oh god does a man I'm speaking because I'm I I date men so Mm -hmm. just speaking from my own experience a man loves they love when I um uh, my past partners at least love when I'm in my feminine and that just uh, you know that that you know that essence Mm -hmm. do you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. like that just like softness like that's sensual and i'm not saying you have to walk around and you know in your gauzy negligee right right because i can be very sensual and wear just a pair of um sweatpants and Uh it doesn't have to be what i'm wearing it's what i'm actually um how i am is enticing and has been enticing to my past partners. And so dropping into the feminine, just it's, you know, after a while, after doing it for so many years, it just becomes part of who I am. Um, I should just have a class about it. you know yeah, you
0: could <laughs> yeah, and I can I can hear the wheels turning over there. Yeah, I love that. Well, even if it's just if it gives people the opportunity to think about that, not only think about it, but have a conversation with their partner about like, how do you feel about this type of energy that I bring? How do you feel about that type of energy that I bring? and and also, I know that my husband and I have had, a few big conversations about gender roles and what we grew up seeing and understanding and we're socially conditioned to believe, you know, that one person did this, another person did that. And that has been incredibly helpful because it, it, you know, and also walking into those conversation where nobody gets to be wrong because mm-hmm. it's, it's just our social programming and, and having a conversation about like, how do we want it to be in co-creating the relationship? I think no matter if you're in a heterosexual relationship or not, I think it's an important conversation to have with your partner.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think it's, sometimes it's hard for women to ask those types of questions yeah. to really speak up about anything, even mm-hmm. in while in the midst of the act of intercourse, you know, not saying anything if it hurts and I think it's time that we just kind of speak up for what we want, because he has no idea, you know, how yeah. our bodies, each ind- individual want to be touched or held or what actually really turns us on.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. They can be delicate conversations. And I know a lot of women, I just actually referred a client a couple months ago to, um, I, I told her, like, go to psychologytoday.com and find yourself. A sex therapist because she has, you know, I know that they call it religious trauma, but it's it's basically like growing up in um, a very conservative church with purity culture being the norm, and and her having an impossible time talking about sex with her partner, and she was like, I don't know what this block is, I just can't get the words out, and it's a big deal, you know, it's a big deal, and it's multi layered, and and sometimes it takes a professional whose expertise is in that area.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's some great podcasts too. I'm not not saying that, you know, that will replace therapy, but Mm -hmm. um, I love sex with Emily. Have you heard? I haven't heard of that one. No, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. She's, um, she's a doctor. So she talks all about this stuff.
0: Okay. Oh, I love right. that. I follow a few like really progressive OBGYNs um, on social media that have been really helpful. And there was one doctor who actually showed her discharge on, <laughs> on, on video. Sorry. And I was like, I, it was amazing. I'm like, I have never seen anyone do that. And the amount of comments of women saying, thank you so much for making me feel like I'm normal and not dirty. Yes. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I guess there are women who just have never had that conversation with their mothers or their doctors or their friends about like,
2: what's normal
1: discharge? Yes. Yes. Yes.
2: Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place.
0: Okay. Let's switch gears a little bit. And I want to ask you about the connection between what we eat and how, how we feel. Cause I know that you are a big fan of being gluten-free and, and that has helped you a lot with your lupus, correct?
1: Yes. And can I just add that thyroid conditions of any kind, people need to be gluten free because there is a connection in the gut when the body has a gluten sensitivity, unknown, most likely unknown gluten sensitivity, it will attack that. And the gluten molecule is very, looks very, very similar to your thyroid tissue. And so, when the body starts attacking the gluten, when someone has a sensitivity, they are, in fact, also attacking the thyroid gland. So, um, it is imperative. Uh-huh to be gluten-free if you have thyroid.
0: Okay, side question for you. You can have a test to see if you have celiac, which is kind of like the extreme of of a gluten allergy. But a lot of people are just have gluten sensitivities. So, and I see ads all the time for, you know, just lick this paper and send it to us and we'll tell you what you're sensitive to in terms of foods. Like, is there one that you recommend? Cause I'll throw money at that. Like. (laughs)
1: to know, like, how do you get tested for food sensitivities? So there's a couple of different ways. Now I will tell you that I do not have celiac. And the reason why I'm gluten-free today is because I did a DNA test that told me that I have two non-celiac gluten sensitive genes, Mm -hmm. meaning I'm just as sensitive to gluten as any celiac out there. That's a DNA test um, on in itself. You can also do blood work And if you're not in the state of New York, you can do like a gluten or gliadin IgG test that could be done in the blood to Mm -hmm. to let you know if that's an issue. If you want to do full panels, there's a couple of different companies that I like. Um, One is U.S. Biotech. Another one is Alcat. I just don't know who to trust, especially if it's an ad. I'm always like a little bit like, I don't know. (laughs) Right. There's also ones that you can do at home, which is sometimes what I do for my patients because they live all over the place.
3: Uh-huh. Um,
1: and so it's a finger stick and then they send that in. Okay. Um, I think those are pretty good. It can test up to, I think around like 200 different foods. Wow. So is like- it
0: true that in order to, I heard this somewhere on the internet, is it true that in order to get a really concise you know, rundown of your food allergies, it's better to get a stool test rather than blood or does it not matter?
1: No, it should be blood. Okay. What I will say is that the ones that your allergist performs are most likely IgE testing, which is more, so there's different types of allergy testing. There's IgG, there's IgE, there's IgA. And so it's a, it gets a little complex, but the, typically the ones that are performed by your allergist, like on your skin,
2: mm-hmm. those
1: are IgE reactions typically, which means those are the types of reactions you get when, let's say you have a peanut allergy and you have to be right. rushing. I had that fever. done as a child. Yeah. It was it was not comfortable. Yeah. And so, but that's not sensitivity. That's, okay, key, that's allergies. That's a, a true anaphylactic reaction. Mm-hmm. That is not what... Yes, that's good to, to have if if you something happened and you ate somewhere and then you ended up in the ER, yes, then get that. But if you're like, um, the next day, I just don't feel good. Or the next morning after I ate, whatever it was, I'm just not feeling good. So that is more food sensitivities. And that's where um, blood work over the stool testing I leave for more checking for parasites or H. pylori, worms things like that. Though so that will tell me if if gluten has been affecting you and has been causing inflammation. Okay. Okay, interesting.
0: Yeah, because like this is almost embarrassing to admit, but I'm the kind of person who I have been bloated for like honestly as long as I can remember since uh like puberty really. And I noticed that my daughter, she's 12. Now she has the exact same like physical body type as me, same posture and everything. And she is also bloated. And I'm like, something's going on with food. And, um, but it's, I, again, so embarrassing. I want to see it on paper. Like tell me exactly what it is. And then I will move mountains to cut whatever it is out of my diet. But if someone tells me like, it might be, I'm like, I'm going to eat the freaking bread. Like, (laughs) It's just because right. it need, doesn't hurt. Like it
1: it's just uncomfortable in terms of like my clothes being tight. Bloating for me, which is such a common symptom, is a sign of obviously gut issues. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not surprised that there is a thyroid problem as well. There's yeah. a connection there, which I'm sure no one, no conventional person has yet to make that connection, but right. it does exist for sure.
0: Yeah. And I, and you and I have you know talked, you messaged me and you were so incredibly helpful on this topic. And so I'm just thinking there's might be people out there who, you know, who get bloated sometimes and kind of can't pinpoint like what it is that's causing it. And, but again, it's, it's not causing me major health issues. So I've just sort of been like, whatever, but you told me it, it might be causing health issues, but you just can't see it yet. And now that I'm 46, maybe it's catching up with me. Exactly. Okay, so let's yeah. so let's go back. Let's stop talking about me. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I just wanted Margaret on so, could leave, so she could help me. Um, but let's go. Let's touch back before we close up. I want to talk a little bit more about the connection between what we eat and how we feel. Where would anyone even
1: start? I would say that the biggest thing is if if you want to change how you ate. And so commonly people just, I mean, I look around and I I drive by McDonald's and Burger King and Popeye's and all these places. And there's such long lines to get this stuff. And I would say, look, if you want to be healthier, stop eating fast foods. Mm -hmm. Number one, you have to. That stuff is actually all created in a lab. It's not even real food. So, and they actually add ingredients in there that cause you to become addicted to all of that stuff. So number one, stop with all of that. If you are drinking milk, um, cow's milk. I, stop that mm-hmm. cow's milk.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It is literally mucus I mean, I would stop that. It's pro-inflammatory. It's not good for anyone. We shouldn't be drinking the milk from a cow. I mean, just, I would switch over, switch Mm -hmm. to something else that you can tolerate. Almond, oat milk, hemp milk, all of that. And then start really having more vegetables in your life. I think that in these days, people are just reaching for things that are easy and fast and just like throwing it in a microwave or just like, going to these fast food places, but that's not health. And and if you're not eating the way, you know, sort of nature intended with the veggies and all of that, what you put into your body, it cannot, you cannot feel vibrant. Your your hormones will be most likely out of whack. You'll become nutrient, nutrient deficient. I mean, and then the body just starts to break down mm-hmm. and then, Diagnosis is start. And so really focus on what it is that's at the end of your fork. Now I'm gluten free. I have been for over a decade. I love to eat and by no means am I starving. So I'm on Instagram almost every day showing people like some of the things that I eat. Um, I have tons of recipes and examples of mm-hmm. what I'm eating that's healthy and it's delicious. It's not you know plain like i'm eating you know rice cakes all day with peanut right. butter like no the good i know news is that that. they've
0: come a long way with gluten free food now
1: yes but the thing is is that i rarely have anything out of a box or a can and so for me like veggies and animal protein those are naturally gluten free i mean there's nothing there's no white flour in any of that stuff so i focus on eating foods like that and i really stay away from most things. Now, of course, will I have pasta occasionally? Yes. It's gluten-free. It tastes to me no different. None of my guests have ever complained of like, yeah, this, this definitely tastes like it's gluten-free. Like you would never even know. Mm -hmm. So I think starting off with eliminating cow's milk and stop going to fast foods is a good place to start. Okay, and that can be hard for a lot of people,
0: or at least cut way back on on the fast food because I do love a good McDonald's French fries every once in a while. I will I will admit that, but I also uh, and I don't know how much you you teach on this or talk about it, but I have also read quite a bit and maybe even follow some people on social media who talk about our poop and how much that will tell you about how healthy you are and how um you know because it's not normal to be constipated or have like little rabbit turds or no, have really not loose stools or mucusy stools. So that's always really interesting to me too.
1: Yes. So having a good bowel movement, I know so many people that they want to detox, they want to, you know, do all of these things and they're going to the bathroom maybe twice a week. Ooh. You cannot detox if you're constipated. You cannot, mm-hmm. all the toxins will remain in your body. It is probably the worst thing you want to do. And so making sure you're taking at least some magnesium at night, you know, getting things going, maybe you have a parasite. You could have worms like that's causing the constipation. You really need to get tested.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. I could ask you so many more questions. I'll have to have you on again next year, but thank you so much. Before we close, tell everyone where they can
1: find out more about you. See, so I'm on Instagram, Margaret Romero. I love, I'm on there every day. I have a podcast called the sacred medicine podcast. I also have a book. It's a lupus. It's all about lupus. If you're interested, it's called from flair to fabulous and my website, Margaret MargaretRomero.com.
0: MargaretRomero.com. Yes, definitely. Everybody follow her on Instagram and thank you so much for being here. Is there anything that you want to say that maybe
1: we missed in order for you to feel complete? I think we we touched on so many great we topics. Did. No, I think that's great. Yeah, okay. if anybody has any questions about anything or is interested in food allergy testing, or even stool testing, just reach out to me through my website or through Instagram. I'll be happy to talk to you about it.
0: Yeah. And we'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. I know how valuable your time is, and I'm incredibly grateful that you spend it with me and my guests. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye, everyone. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes, andreaowen.com slash free. And you just sign up. You get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreaowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed.